Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. I'm Marshall. That's Nick. You can find us at the hypercleanstore.com website or hyperclean specialist group on Facebook. Nick, I got a briefly moment of working through my words there because I'm not sure if you're ready for this. This is called the silent poet. Are you ready for the silent poet? Silent poet. You get steak. I get beer. Another beer sent over out of, uh, from one of our distributors. Thank you, Brandon from Tim's appreciate it. Birds fly South ale project. This is a raspberry Hefeweizen. I don't know. Are you ready? And, just, and it just went all over your shirt. Hey, I was trying to get away from that. Just spooge me <laughs> all over, all over the hoodie. I'm pouring this up. Why don't you do a little buy and sell? Well, I got to sell this week. Uh, we've had an addition to my family here in the last couple of weeks. And that with it brings putting furniture together. Oh my God. I'm going to sell putting furniture together. I escaped it kind of last time. We got a lot of stuff delivered that was ready to go. This time I was unaware of the ordering process and I see boxes starting to stack up in my house and I go, what is all that stuff? Oh, I ordered some things online. I'm like, oh, like gifts for Christmas day. Well, some of them, but these two large boxes, we're going to go ahead and need you to put them together. They give you the worst tools, the worst instructions. You got to go to your toolbox. You got to get your stuff. You got to walk back and forth. You're usually on the ground in some sort, which, you know, at 40, I could use a chair. Uh, <laughs> you know, I got to tell you, it just, it's a tradition I want to get out of. And uh, so in my house, there'll be no more me putting furniture together. I said, hey, if it's a hundred bucks, if it's 150 bucks, if it's 200 to have somebody, I'm done. This stuff is so monotonous that after the Porsche restoration project, right into my weekend of putting stuff together, I got to tell you, I've had a run of a few weeks, not real, real great on the uh, manual labor, labor uh, ticker of my life. So I, I got to sell putting together furniture. Dude, I'm with you. I love what uh, some websites now, when you buy something, it asked if you want to pay for that professional install. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. Can't click. I cannot click that fast enough after the last couple of weeks of my life. Let me tell you. So my disaster a while ago was when we put up a, a, a TV mount, you know, a wall mount on, on one of the bedrooms. And the only technique I was taught, right? I just didn't know that you could go buy something that would tell you actually where the studs were. I yeah. learned old school where you like hit on the wall and don't you, you have you a know. stud finder? Well, yeah, that's the new thing. But the way that we were taught back in the old school was just tap, you know, tap, tap, tap. Well, you got to have good ears. You got to get, you know, you got to be able to listen. I uh, fucking brutal. I had like 15 wall holes. And I was like, I swear it's right here. And I just kept on nailing in. It was brutal. So we just <laughs> did a little rearrangement recently in the house and so a couple of new TV mounts and I, I made sure to get somebody else come over and yeah, yeah. They, they pulled out this thing and it showed exactly where it was. And I was like, God damn, that'd be pretty nice. Yeah. I'm done, dude. I think it's, 
I don't know. I, I work too hard to have to go home on the weekends and do that stuff. Maybe some people enjoy it. There are certain things I do enjoy. I like working on my car. I like doing when it comes to manual labor of, of furniture, um, count me out. It gets tricky. It gets tricky. All right. I am also buying this week. Uh, got to watch for the first time. Listen, I'm not going to magically become a soccer fan. I do enjoy the sport. I do enjoy watching it in different language. And uh, I do enjoy getting to watch probably the best. If you could, if you could, if you could start watching a world cup at the time to watch a world cup, the other yesterday's was unbelievable. And uh, the thing that I I'm buying out of the world cup is something that, like I said, if you can watch a game and you can, you watch a game in a different language, you can still know one thing, body language, and you can understand momentum. You literally can start to see it happen on the field. You don't even, I didn't even know what the hell's going on half the time, but you can just start to learn momentum. I'm buying momentum because as you, you saw one team come out strong, then the other team had to regroup and later in the game finally comes out and then we're battling back and forth uh, in the overtimes. And you could literally tell when people were up, when they were down and who was about to score and who wasn't, you can see it throughout all different types of sports and games. And it's, Momentum, when you learn it and you see it and begin to experience it, then you start to go, hmm, how do I start to put momentum in what I'm doing? Because momentum's real, energy is real, it's transferable and it happens, and you can begin to do momentum in whatever you're trying to do based on what you see in other people. If you're positive, you're up, you're moving, you're going, you build that momentum and you keep moving in that direction. So I'm buying momentum. It was an interesting game to watch. And listen, I know one, one word coming out of watching the world cup. No one word. Oh, I thought you were going to say topless. Did you see the topless fan? No, I didn't. uh, Yeah. That's that's the one word. I didn't watch it obviously. Uh, but yeah, there was a topless Argentinian fan in the crowd that got caught on TV. So I thought that's the word, but again, You know, you're drinking raspberry ale or whatever, so we we know. Well, that. hey, this is what it is. Pretty tasty, uh, Brandon. Thanks so much, man. Good little beer. All right, so uh, this is a. Uh, as we were talking last week, I was dropping a car back off and uh, walking through, uh, walking through the customers, you know, garage as we were on the phone. I was getting a little bit of the water and some of the stuff as I was driving. You know, touching it back up. And I noticed something. It was something I've noticed before at many of my customers' houses. And I'm curious for you, your customers, right? Maybe it's probably different in Vegas, but for some reason, over the years, I've always seen a lot of my customers with this gift. And so I want to know what's the gift for you that you find interesting. And this would be cool for anybody in the specialist group to go in and chime in some cool gifts that they've seen for me are unique. Mine, the most common that I see is (laughs) the Harry and David little gift basket of fruit. And I've said it before you, the best pair you'll ever find is from Harry and David. Absolute. But you don't, there's no way to explain it until you actually eat one. You don't even have to eat the whole thing. You'll take one bite and you'll go, God damn that. I get it. Pairs from Oregon. I think that's what it is. Those Oregon, like, you know, wind a pears or something they're called. Mm. Yeah. I remember that. I, I think the most interesting thing, look, everybody's probably experienced this. If you detail long enough, I love to see the car gifts like, Hey, I got my wife a, 
I got my son or I got my daughter and it happens a lot more than you think. And, and it's not just extremely wealthy. You know, it is a time of year. There's a reason why car commercial commercials talk about winter. The Lexus bow is, oh, you, you'll never yeah. go. That's the best marketing of any. Yeah. Other. And, and again, this is the facts. They wouldn't do it if it didn't work. So somebody's getting that stuff. And so for me, uh, yeah, you know, you see the Harry and David, sometimes I've seen some cool watches, uh, in someone's car that they were, they were either giving to a family member or a staff member or whatever. But for me personally, it's still unbelievable to get the phone call. Hey, uh, we got a late delivery on this car. Can you guys get it detailed and, uh, put the bow on it? You know, I, I still think that's probably the most exciting thing. Oh, hell yeah. That'd be, wouldn't it? Like it would anybody here's a car for Christmas. Okay. Yeah. It wouldn't even matter. I mean, you know, when you were young, especially if you're giving it to a kid, it wouldn't have mattered to me what it was, what kind of car I'd have been like, damn a car. Uh, you know, that that's, that's not where most of us come from, obviously, but yeah, I mean, I've, I I'm with you. You do see certain gift baskets and things like that, but still the one that's, that's cool is when you see somebody that's given, given a car. I never see a Harry and David any other time than Christmas. And I don't know why, because the fruit's so good. Is that so company just, never in business except till like <laughs> November? Wanna, like, hey, they don't want to work except for like a month and a half. Hey, <laughs> I, I, I hear that if that's their plan. I mean, good for them. Uh, let's go into a little bit of industry talk, a little car talk, because if you're driving around your dealerships, you probably should start seeing something. What that something is, is inventory, right? I know when I drive through around here, I did start noticing, oh, wow. Honda dealership started getting a little bit more. Oh, the Lexus store finally got some cars, but Nick, is it the cars that we were thinking? Is it the new cars that, you know, great. We got a whole bunch of new cars back out. Everybody's rocking and rolling with the new cars or has the bubble starts. We got an issue. Uh, what's going on? Yeah, no, I mean, look, inventories are easing in new and used cars, but I think the number one thing people are going to see is the bubble bursting in the used car market. Uh, repos are up dramatically uh, you're starting to see people even like elon musk who runs tesla coming out and saying it's the biggest bubble in the history of the world was is the auto loan market uh pales you know thinks everybody thinks it could be worse than 2008 in the mortgage market because remember in the mortgage market for those that don't know not that many people defaulted on their loans it was because of what happened uh, in investment banks and bundling those loans together that made them so problematic. It wasn't that, you know, three or four or 5% of people defaulted on their, their homes and it created a, a really big mess. I'm seeing numbers of uh, banks getting completely out of auto loans or banks not even lending below seven, eight, nine percent in 2023, no matter how good your credit is. Uh, also, you know, people start to get laid off and you got a thousand dollar payment that you took out you know, on a Range Rover or whatever in the good times, you know, you're going to let that thing go. And, and we're going to see some big, 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 big numbers in the repossession market. It's already here. We've talked to somebody we're connected with here who who's inside of banking. Uh, he's already said that it's been out of control, but because inventory on used car was so low, it hasn't been noticeable, but it is actually noticeable. If you drive around and look at dealerships, CarMax has been loaded with cars forever. Uh, the Carvana mess, they're unloading cars into the market. Who really knows how bad this can get? But by all signs from the banking industry, from guys like Elon Musk, this bubble is popping and 2023 will be pretty big carnage. 
So that carnage is going to do something for us detailers. It's going to do a couple of things that we should probably think about. It's going to do something to our customer base, right? So the reason why we always like to let everybody continually know what's going on in the, the car market from our views and things we see is because it does affect, if you're into detailing, it does affect because yep. what is happening if people are dumping cars or and repos, you mentioned repos. I mean, that's that's a big one. It, do do we see many times we talk about something happen? We go, hey, there's an opportunity there. I don't think this discussion is about an opportunity so much as more of a, it's a hey, there's a lot of warning signs out there right now. Yeah, no, and, and I I think it's a great point. I I think when you look at this and you talk about repos, one thing maybe some know and some don't. Usually, banks aren't super aggressive on repossession. They don't really want the car back in hand. They want to get their payments caught up. Well, with the amount of payments they have now, banks are going to have to go heavy repo. They can't do all these, let me help you get out of this. Let me let me give you a payment plan. The numbers are going to be so big that they're just going to go aggressively into getting their car back because what they're going to do is they're going to look at it and say, hey, we have 100,000 car loans out there. 40,000 of the 100,000 are underwater in really bad shape. They're missing payments they may start repossession immediately at the 30, 35 to 45 day mark, the 60 day mark, where in a lot of cases, you know, during a normal car market, they're not in a real rush all of the time. Most of the banks to get the car, they'll, they'll, they'll warn you, they'll warn you, they'll warn you. Now they may get hyper aggressive because they're worried, Hey, if we don't get on this, we could lose 10,000 loans where the cars just come up missing. So one of the things, and the, the reason why we bring it up is consumer behavior, right? Like depending on how people are spending their money, what they're doing does determine a little bit of how they're going to spend money with us in a sense. So yep. there's something that people don't always talk about and it's negative equity. Something yep. that uh, you and I have tossed back and forth of what it's doing to the market, what it's going to happen when a customer has, you know, they generally roll their payments over into the next car, but because there was this massive influx of price, right? Yep. Now they've rolled into and they're going to try and go into another car with a better price. And now they're $20,000 upside yep. down. Yep. The numbers are bigger than ever, right? I mean, a Honda CRV that somebody paid, you know, 60 grand for because they paid over sticker, right? It's a thirty-five dollars to $40,000 car. They entered that agreement 20,000 upside down immediately before they ever drove the car off the lot. You know, the old term you lose after you drive it off the lot, then they drove it off the lot. Well, when everything's good, you're going to see us a lot in the truck market. The truck market is the one that really, really this, you know, people love getting into a new truck. They, they, they were willing to pay $95,000 for a Ford platinum. That was really a $65,000 truck. So imagine the amount of negative equity when things start to normalize. You paid 30 over what the car was even worth. And now it started to depreciate on top of that. And the market's no longer in a boom. So you could be talking about a 45 or $50,000 negative equity mistake. People were used to rolling over 10,000, 15,000. Now you're going to the bank and saying, Hey, I want the new truck. Uh, and they go, yeah, you're 45,000 in negative equity. So you need to come up with $32,000 in cash to trade out of that vehicle 
because we're not going to finance dollars $65,000 in negative equity. Uh, so what it's going to do is it's going to be, it's going to kind of stymie the market, right? Because people are just going to look at each other, you know, their husband and wife and go, well, we're not going to do it. I'm not bringing 32. They've never had to do that. And now so all they of a sudden find, they might find another place to cut back because they're not going to dump that 30 grand of equity. And so could there be a, an opportunity or is that a warning of, Hey, the, the many people are going to start cutting back on their expenses. And one of those expenses might be detailing because if you've positioned yourself as, Hey, this is, this is a, right. This goes into that philosophy that you and I love to talk yeah, about. Right? Like, new, is new it maintenance? Is it maintenance or is it, you know, luxury service that few people should ever get? Yep. Yeah, no, you look at it and, and you know, I got these customers. Let's just use an example. Every two years for the past 10 years, I've had these same customers and every two years they've rolled out of vehicles. If they bought in 21 at the height, they may get to the dealership. And even if they have the money, they may look at one another and say, I'm not paying $30,000 just to get out of this thing. At that point, it's not even a wealth conversation. It's just, do I want to do this? So this isn't just going to affect the the middle and the low part of the market, which that's the market that'll be hit the hardest. It always is. But you have a situation, and I've shared this before. As soon as AMG announced they weren't bringing the big engine in for this year, I had three or four customers right off the top that I knew there goes four brand new cars that I would have had at the end of the year last year, traded in, ready to go, orders coming in. That that was just right off the top of my head. And then, you know, when I started to really think about it, there was probably 10 or 15 different Mercedes uh, of the big AMG engine that, that affected my business. Now, those customers spend money with me, but there's 10 new vehicles basically lost all because they couldn't get the cars into the country. Now you're going to have a different conversation. You may have some supply issues on some stuff that could still be in the system. But now what you're going to have is how many people just go, yeah, I'm not doing it. And remember, there's a flip side to this as well. You can have perfect credit and be talking about getting a six or 7% auto loan, which some of these people maybe have never seen in their life, or it's been 10, 15 years since they've seen that number and they're just not going to do it. And so the question is, what really happens? It's anybody's guess. But when everybody in the car world, including banking executives, as well as, you know, people that run car companies like Elon start ringing the bell and putting their name to the fact of we're in an issue, you can't imagine they're doing that for the sake of doing it. They don't really have any reason to. Yeah. All right. So besides, uh, besides watching some football and then some of the other football, whichever you want to say, you know, I got to catch up on uh, some episodes of the old Tulsa King this weekend. Wonderful. Oh, God. Uh, unbelievable. On, they, you know, it's just a incredible series. Everybody alone at his worst. <laughs> <laughs> he's like 105 years old and now he, he, he's still cracking heads over there. Huh? Dude. Rocky's still pl throwing left-handed blows, man. <laughs> hey, come still on, throwing man. left-handed blows. Just, just right off into the sunset, dude. How no? He's got a second second uh second series already booked. Yeah. Why not? Why not? He has the a fascination though with Lincoln. So they started out with Lincoln Navigator, 
and it got some bullet holes and he didn't want a navigator anymore, but still got a Lincoln. Well, and he's, supposed I just to be said, an, he's supposed to be an Italian guy, right? That's, that's a big, like Italian mobster car. The navigator. Yeah. No, no, I'm Lincoln. Lincoln is the, the old town car. Yeah. That's why. Okay. I was going to ask you what you thought. So that's, that's the connection. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's the like old the, town car. B, yeah. I completely forgot. Maybe everybody else is going well, you're an idiot. Yeah. The old town car. It was incredible. It's that boat, the big old boat. Yep. Yeah. Did you ever watch that show justified? No that dude. That was like in Kentucky. He was like some kind of sheriff, whatever. He drove a Lincoln town car too. Yeah. Town cars. Look, man, they, for those that weren't around, I mean, that was the executive service car, right? If you got sent, somebody wanted to send a car for you to get you at the airport or whatever, they sent those old Lincoln town cars. And I mean, those were in service for, I mean, had to be Dude, and those 20 seats, plus years. I mean, you sit in those seats and you just go. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and look, it, it's kind of like, you know, one of those cars that's disappeared because of the SUV right mm. now. I'll just put somebody in, in a, in a navigator or an aviator or an escalade or something like that. Uh, that's now considered the luxury vehicle to pick somebody up at the airport, so to speak. Uh, that's, that's just replaced it. And, and that was an incredible time for Lincoln when they just sold millions and millions of those cars. I mean, navigator had its moment, but Otherwise, I don't know anything about Lincoln. It's not, you know, I even had to ask you some questions earlier, right? Like it just, my mom had a Lincoln, but it's just not one of those, unless it's a navigator, you really ever hear about. So I tried to do a little bit of research. Like what is the reason? Why do people not like Lincoln? You know what the number one reason is? Reliability? No, that's stupid. Well, that's um, what I said. It, I know, uh, according to getjerry.com, 2021 and 2022, that Lincoln was the number one line that was ranked most inefficient. Customers yeah. were not happy about it. Gas, you know, Lincoln's never been exceptional on the gas. So for people that are really, really honed in on, hey, um, a lot of the big SUV talk is which one gets the best gas mileage. We have a large SUV in my household. I think it's lucky if it gets 17 miles to the gallon. Here's the way that I look at it. I bought a big SUV. It is what it is. I have a bunch of trucks on the road. None of them are, are highly efficient with gas. Lincoln has always gotten a bad rap, especially the Navigator through all of its different iterations. They've never made the fuel economy better. So you do that to enough people, you're going to get a lot of bitching online. And that's what those people are going to see. Reliability. Okay. Um, I don't think any car at this point is extremely reliable or extremely unreliable. Uh, they all have their little problems and issues. But like I said, the new Navigator, the way it is right now, to me is still the best large SUV in its price point. It, it's got the most, it's got the nicest interior. I like the looks of the exterior, but here's what it comes down to. If you're not a Lincoln person and you've never given them a shot, you weren't going to give them a shot when it was redesigned. You were just going to say, oh, I don't like Lincoln. And that's the car buying market in a nutshell. Nobody hardly ever stays up on which one, you know, is the best in the moment. They're just going to go with the brand that they think 
and their head is the best. That's why for years, Escalade had the worst user experience I'd ever seen in a vehicle and people still bought it. And you couldn't even hardly turn the radio station. That's how bad the infotainment was. Why would you buy that? But people bought it because it was an Escalade and their, their sister had one or their friend had one and it just got momentum. And there you go. Nobody really goes and test drives the way we used to. Yeah. Uh, well, if they test drove it, you listen, anybody that test drives it, go ahead and send Nick an email because he's a big Lincoln fan. If you're not a fan, Hey, I'm not, Nick's a Lincoln I'm just fan. a car per I'm just a car person. It, it's, it's a great SUV right this second in five years, it could be worse. Uh, but the black label additions that they have are the nicest large SUV that exists. I mean, in my opinion, you and Tulsa King, I get it. Uh, I get it. I mean, you're, you're over there watching Stallone. So don't give me, <laughs> you know, that All is, right, what, so 45 Fonda, years past his prime. He is, he is, he's pretty rough. Uh, notice they skip out of the romantic scenes with him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear that. That would have been brutal. <laughs> All right. So fun discussion out of the uh, specialist group that happened uh, this past week was about planes. Uh, and it is, uh, it is interesting is what can be put on planes. Uh, I listen to somebody that I, I don't, I stayed in my lane when it came outside of cars. I never really got into RVs. I'd clean a couple for just specialized customers that, you know, is more of those coach buses and we'd go and wash them. But Never got into RVs, never got into boats. I know a lot of people like to transition over into boats, never did either. And I never got into planes. So I, I always heard, though, that you had to be special with certain products you got to put on a plane because, well, the FFA, you know, it, it, F- they're going to have regulations and the FFA is going to determine. FAA. FAA. Well, see, I don't there know anything. I, I'm go. too busy worrying about the future farmers of America. You know, it's <laughs> You're basically worried the about same. the Tulsa King and 4-H yeah. clubs. We're, it's we're basically the to... same thing, isn't it? The FAA and the future farmers, you know? I, uh, that's funny. Go team. Ding. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, so, yeah, I, I just always heard that, you know, it was very specialized. And there's even companies that, you know, they, they say, you know, we're, we're specialized for, uh, you know, that industry. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have a different viewpoint though. I, yeah, no, uh, in the specialist group there, there's, there's wives tales about plane detailing. Number one, the vast majority of private planes that get washed, get cared for are not the private planes you see on Instagram. You know, they're not the billionaires planes, whatever. They're actually these one seater, two seater types, uh, pilot maintained, you know, those types of things. And and there's a lot of those in the United States. There's a lot of people that fly their own planes and they puddle jump from this city to that city. And it's just a hobby for them or a way to travel and largely gets cared for by that person who has no knowledge of any proper techniques. And they'll go to Walmart and get some car soap and, you know, wash their plane. Or I've seen also some hangers, right? You got yep. those little, we've got a uh, little, ours is called the Jinx Airport, right? Yep. This is, there's, what is, they got maybe like 10 or 15 little hangers and those are yep. the Cessnas or those small little one to two seater planes. Yep. And inside of there, I know there's a lot of people that it's just their service. Once the plane, you know, gets back, they'll go through and wash it and clean it up. 
Yeah. So we, we have in VR, we have about six planes that, that we're involved with. Uh, I don't want to do metal polishing. I don't want to do heavy exterior work. So we have a company that we work with that, that basically that's all they do here is, is private plane, private aviation. They're really great at what they do. Uh, but I can tell you, if you saw their lineup of products, you'd be like, it's nothing special. There, there is nothing. The only thing you need to worry about when it comes to a private aircraft or aircraft as a whole, whether it be a Southwest flight or a private airplane, there are things that are regulated by the FAA, like sensors, exhaust lines, thing, things that are heavily regulated so the plane doesn't crash. Okay. The FAA doesn't care what kind of wax or sealant or ceramic coating you put on the paint job. They don't care if you have a paint job on the plane. That's just not the world that they're in. So there are things to be aware of that the FAA is involved in that you, I wouldn't advocate ceramic coating with anything. Why would I want to put a ceramic coating over a sensor that's going to be inspected by the FAA? I, I, I wouldn't say that any product on the market should really uh, be put on that kind of stuff. Maybe people do, that's up to them. But, you know, this is where you get into that old wives tale of detailing that somebody's put it in your head that magically you have to do all of these different things to take care of planes. Planes largely have leather and carpet and uh, wood grain and plastic pieces on the interior. On the exterior, it's just a matter if you really want to get into metal polishing or polishing entire planes. There's different things used for that. If you want to be efficient, some drum uh, polishers and different things like that. But all in all, you know, it's like taking care of an RV. It's like taking care of a boat. There are minor differences, but in the end, there's more in common with each other than there is, you know, not, not in common at all. All right. So news out of HQ. This is what's fun. We put out a little video. Nick and I have been working really hard and we just got it last week. Many people are going to start getting hyper clean products and looking at the label just a little bit different. For instance, Nick really did a great job of he's the he's the grammar guy. He's the writer guy. And over there on the left hand side, Nick, what do we have on the new labels that are coming out? Well, we got a lot of requests from a lot of new people that came into the brand and we listened, right? Remember our trigger fiasco? You know, for those that haven't been with the brand since we had our first 16 ounce bottles, we got some really bad triggers. We heard it. We listened. Now I think we got some of the nicest triggers in our 16 ounce bottles out there. The same goes for the labels. We thought people would enjoy not having all these directions all over. We got some argument the other way. We bounced it around and guess what we did? We now have directions, what the product, how to use it, what to do, what it is, uh, basically taking descriptions from our website, putting them on the left side of the label and allowing people to hopefully understand a little more about how to use the product quicker for the first time users out there. And uh, I look, it's really surprised me. I think you can, you, you may be in a little different headspace than me, I'll ask you. But for me, just the amount of work that goes into this stuff, until you do it, you don't know, right? It's a lot like detailing. You know, you can clean a rim as an enthusiast, but then when you want to clean it like a pro, it's like, oh man, there's kind of kind of a lot involved here. Uh, so I'll, I'll ask you, I mean, now that we're getting heavier and bigger as a company, the time, some of this stuff takes, does it amaze you as well? 
It amazes. I don't think people understand. So I think that's probably be, be the amazement. And which goes back to a lot of when you and I first started talking, I needed bandwidth, right? Like it, there's a lot of that stuff that just never got done because just there wasn't enough time, right? Like doing so many things, if you don't ever spend the time and that's what, that's what I think everybody appreciates what, I mean, the way that everything is written now, it's just so much better. Well done. I the rest of the graphics, the, the, the cleanliness of it. We took the car off of it. Great call. Everything just looks now very extremely sleek, refined. It's a great label. It's a great label. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, you know, finding the right people to work with there, there's an extended amount of time that you don't think about, or at least I didn't, uh, maybe I'm the knucklehead in the room, but I didn't think about it'd be that hard to find somebody. It's been extremely hard. Uh, probably the hardest thing in business. And it extends to something simple like labels, right? Finding dependable people that are then good at what they do. And because those of you that have gotten a hyper clean bottle and many have have, and they got, Oh, it's a little bit scuffed up or something happened in shipping. Right. Like that's the label company, right? It was nothing we yeah. did. And so even yeah, I mean, then trying to find the right company to put on the right coding and to put everything. So it's still a matte clean look and protected. Yeah. What a, what a massive <laughs> undertaking. Like here's the community right there. Yeah. Everybody raise a glass. Cause Hey, <laughs> nobody it's will almost, ever know. It's, that's al it's almost stupid. That's the thing. Do you ever just think, I mean, I know we do cause you and I will talk about this from time to time about little projects inside the company where you just go, wow, it's so stupid how long this has taken. You know why it is when you're in it, but you're thinking to yourself, it shouldn't really be this difficult. And it's just like anything in business, man. I mean, it just, you don't know it till you do it. And, and hopefully we found uh, something that everybody likes. You don't know it until you do it. Let's, let's say that one more time. You don't know it until you do it. And you don't know the feeling of closing your doors until you do it. I've had to close a business before and it wasn't fun. It was a hard moment to, to, to close down. I have had to, we had too many problems. It was a, I've talked about it It's a great concept. It was a auto spot at the mall. We would detail cars at the mall. A lot of problems happened at the mall. No longer was a, a place that I wanted to keep doing business. I had to make that choice in closing down. It's not fun. More and more people today. And I got a message last week of somebody that <laughs> I was a little bit surprised. And at the same time, I, I understood. I, you've gotten messages. We've gotten emails. Multiple people are, are starting to let us know. Maybe because we, the ones that talked about it for the past two years, nobody else has talked about what will start happening now. And especially moving into 2023 and going into winter, for many others, won't ever reopen. Yep. It's a, it's a, so kind of a crazy time right now. It's not fun to close a business. It's not fun to do all that. It's not fun to see this, but we got to talk about it because it's something that we said is going to happen. The way we want to talk about it, and here's the direction we want to go, is character traits of the people, right? Because businesses close based on, basically it comes down to two things, money, time how you manage your money how you manage your time so characteristics that we've seen uh, over the years 
maybe it's even inside of ourselves, which some of that's me as I learned lessons, um, <laughs> learn lessons through difficulties. And Same. as well as you learn lessons from other people that you see go out. So let's jump into uh, the, the first one talking about money management in a sense. That, that basically means you've said it. Most businesses struggle because they just don't have enough money, right? Like they just Number don't one have. Failure. And by yeah. the way, that's not an opinion of you and I. That's the Small Business Administration, Small Business Foundations, uh, business research that's gone on for decades and decades and decades. This isn't just today. They so, know undercapitalization of a business, which means the lack of money in your business is the number one reason businesses will fail. So that happens because either, and this is where people, you can you can latch on to some anchors in a sense, and you go, somebody didn't charge enough, aka the $50 detailer, but it's not even just a $50 detailer, right? It might be the $150 detailer. It might be the $250. So it's, it's not necessarily a price, but there's the guy or the person, the characteristic that happens inside the business is they didn't charge enough or they spent too much of what they got. Yeah, right? I think it's the second one uh, that we see. And remember, we're just giving observation. I don't know. I don't know everybody's situation. None of us can. The observation over the last 10 or 15 years of my career and the mistakes that I made and the mistakes that I see people make and the, that I'm privy to the information, the misallocation of funds uh, in your business will be the number one thing that everybody, you know, very few businesses I've come in contact with had $0 in revenue, right? You never just, very rarely do you hear, this person just didn't have any business. It happens, but in detailing largely, we don't hear that I had zero customers. It's, you know, I wasn't making enough or, or like you said, not charging enough or this happened or that happened. But, but I'll tell you, we, the ones we've been privy to here in the last three to five months that we've heard had every tool imaginable, uh, you know, had every truck wrapped uh, for thousands of dollars uh, the list goes on, took a bad real estate deal when they opened a shop that they didn't need to open. Those are the things we see in our business. Uh, Jumped sure over very... into another industry and started doing stuff that they probably didn't know much about. Right. Like, yeah. I think you, you said wraps, right? Like the people yeah. that got into, oh, I just want to go get PPF training now, or I want to go yep. get wrap training. Like they start having success and they just jump off into random things. Yeah. And, and, and then the secondary part of finances is, the last three years has probably been the best run for detailing in the history of detailing. And here's, here's why I say that, you know, don't just take my word for it. We knew people getting their start had hardly polished a car and were landing $2,500 coding jobs, which I'm not great. I'm glad you guys did. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to cheer that on, but that was an indication we had a problem coming. It wasn't because of that one individual or a hundred individuals or a thousand individuals it was, does this make sense? This guy's been in business five minutes and he's charging $2,500 for a service that's really not a $2,500 service the way he performs it. Again, I'm glad everybody got that money. But instead of thinking as an industry, whoa, this is a lot of money these last three years. Let's go invest and start buying some assets, buying real estate, buying, you know, putting some into the stock market, you know, securing your money. What do we see a lot of? And the ones that we've been privy to here recently bought this, bought that, 
bought a new truck, bought five new trucks, bought this, things that weren't assets at all in his business or her business. It was just flat out spending for the sake of spending, have every tool in their shop that ever existed. Uh, and again, it's not for me to tell people how to spend their money or what they should do. There's just an observation you have when you do this long enough that shops and businesses in the detailing business go out for the exact same reasons every time. There's All really right, so not 50 reasons. Let's do this fun little thing because, hey, we should have all done pretty well. We should have all grabbed. And sometimes you have, I have, we hit these jobs, we hit a couple of things and bam, suddenly we got a bunch of money that hits the account. You, you, you got 10 grand, right? 10 grand just hits your account. A little bit unexpected. A couple of jobs come through. Boom. Awesome. Let's do this exercise. This is exercise for you, for anybody that's listening. What would you do with the money, right? I immediately think I want to go into how do I solve something internally, bring somebody in, uh, you know, can I get somebody, which was when I started growing in mobile and I go, okay, I got too many people. I can't service enough. I can't do this myself. I need to bring somebody in. When I brought them in, I wanted them to do the things that I didn't enjoy doing so that I could go do the things that would benefit the company overall. And it's not so much about enjoyment's the wrong word, right? Like, did it mean that should I be cleaning the wheels or should I be more working on the windows or finishing out the car? Where should I prioritize myself so that when that car's done, I've been able to use somebody's service with me as a company to benefit the overall company. So I would say I want to hire somebody to fill a need inside of my company. And I've got 10 grand. Let's go for two months. I know that I can bring somebody in for the next two months. And that's kind of what I'm playing for. I can use this 10 grand. I know I can do that. Then I also want to bring somebody in to help save me some time, right? Something in, not somebody. Whether that, and you just mentioned, you know, a lot of people buy tools. I had a phone conversation very interesting earlier today from, well, it was a in customer that was going to have a vehicle and, you know, coded and had a couple questions. And uh, we were talking through things and he just started wanting to pick my brain, kind of learn if, if I really knew what the fuck I was talking about. Because as he said, there's all kinds of companies out there. There's all kinds of people that talk and, and put out stuff. So he really kind of wanted to know, and he asked, what are your thoughts on the DA? I mean, the DA, I mean, it's fine. It's a good tool. Does perfectly well. Does that mean the reason why I bring it up is, does that mean I go buy a bunch more DA polishers or, hey, I this new company brought out this smaller polisher and it's, it's X amount of dollars and oh, I should go yep. get it because it's another polisher and it might help me. No, that's not how I would spend my money. For me, it was more of, okay, I've got this smaller little extractor. What would it mean like if I bought a bigger extractor? Because I already know I'm using this or what if I bought two vacuums instead of just yeah. one or what if, I, and it was just the little things like that, that I began to spend my money on so that then the overall production of my business increased, not that my skill set so much increased, but the production of the yeah. company increased. So 10 grand to you, Nick, what are you spending your money on? What I know now, after about a zillion mistakes, uh, you know, early in my business, I would make sure 
let's say it took my balance from zero to 10 grand, right? I really didn't have much money in my account. These jobs hit, I'm at 10 grand, which I think is part of the exercise, right? I would be very, very clear that $10,000 isn't that much money today as a business. That's what I think people, myself, you go back to your early days, uh, you know, go back to even people, you know, now that don't have $10,000 in business is not that much money. It's, it's not even a little bit of money, uh, to be fair. I don't want to say that to demoralize anybody that 10 grand I'd put into the saving part of my business and I'd leave it there. And that would give me a cushion. And then as money kept rolling in and started building up that 10 grand becomes my cushion. And I keep adding to that cushion little by little and all the while doing what you just said. When I have money coming in after that 10 grand, where can I pick up efficiency? That may be a body. It may not be. That may be a tool. It may not be. That may be software. It may not be. You're going to have to judge that for your business in the moment. I think where we all get in trouble, and I certainly have in my early part of my career, and I think you did as well, and everybody can relate to this, is not understanding what a lot of money in business is. Because 10 grand can disappear overnight. I get con contacted all the time about PPF. My number is the same. Do you have 20K to burn that doesn't affect your business? And people are like, well, I can do that. It's not what I asked. You're not going to be great after a three-day training. You're going to burn tons of film. You're going to have to buy a plotter that's eight to 10 grand. You're going to have to pay software fees. You're going to have to do a lot of things that nobody's talking about. And they're all great. You got to learn. But if you don't have 20K to burn, and I mean burn, don't do it. Now, I think about that number. We started at 10,000. When you start talking about PPF and burning 20K, like you might as well just light it on fire, how much money is 10K? Because remember, I got to burn 20K and pay all my bills, right? I still got to pay my people. I got to pay my lease. I got to pay my rent. I got to pay this. I got to pay that. I, life doesn't stop. And so I think if I were going to tell people in business, $10,000 doesn't go as far as you think it does. And if it just constantly gets wasted on a tool or some new thing you think you have to have that doesn't really return big money, because remember, a polisher is a polisher. If I have a polisher running well in my business, I've bought a new polisher for no other reason than I want a new polisher. And that's okay. I'm you know, I've been guilty of that. You've been guilty of that. Sometimes you just want a new tool. But we had a guy recently that, that, that you knew a lot better than me who had 15 polishers in his business, and he's out of business. So what did the 15 polishers tell you? They weren't returning money. He didn't need 15 of them because if he did, he'd be making money if he needed all 15. I mean, I think I got 40 or 50 polishers in my business. We need a lot of them. That that returns money to me. So I'm not telling you not to buy tools that make you money. What seems to happen in a lot of cases is guys buy the latest and greatest. We see it at SEMA, right? So-and-so just released this new tool. Everybody's bought it. They already had a three-inch polisher that worked. They've already been getting, you know, whatever it may be. And I don't begrudge this, but as times get tough, those mistakes are going to become more costly. And what we're seeing now is, quote unquote, good operators or what seem like good operators to the outside world, we're getting more and more news that people are going like that or going out of business. So what's happening 
is a cash flow issue. And 10 grand, as a business owner, you should never think of that as a lot of money, in my experience. Well, Nick, many of them had some great skills. Many of them had a lot of great skills. Many of them had the badges. Many of them had the, the little plaques on the wall, and they, they, they wore the shirts. But when it comes down to it, maybe the other problem that a lot of people have, which is a character trait that many of us struggle with. I know if anybody that, uh, if you're like me, you, you have a lot of ideas that run into your brain and you have a lot of little things and then you pull up your phone and you got these notifications and then you, you go on to social and next thing you know, you're 20 minutes gone. The next problem that a lot of people have is time management. And we don't really like to think, at least I don't like to think that I waste time because, you know, we all, we all know that you could go grab money out of your wallet and go put it in the trash can. You could roll down your car door while you're, you're listening to us and you could literally just throw money out the window. You waste money. Do many of us actually think about us wasting time or do we allocate it into Oh, well, that's my time. Oh, well, that's, you know, time that I'm doing this. Uh, here's a, an interesting thing that I don't know that many of us would understand until you get to talk about it is this whole world and this whole understanding of <laughs> busy work. Oh. There's many of us that allocate the things that we're doing as it's beneficial to what I'm overall trying to do. We don't realize that we're actually wasting our time. To help us all understand that, give us one big thing that you've seen nonstop. I guess it's social media. You know, what is it that you go, yeah, this is the number one place where I see so many people just in busy work. Yeah, wasting. I think social media is easy for all of us to waste time, right? That's what it's designed to do. Is it the content and I'm absorbing, right? Like I'm wasting time absorbing content or I'm spending so much time trying to put the right picture and send so many pictures out to people or, hey, I got to be, you know, flip my camera around. I got to tell people about this. Mm, this I'm just so, this is me and I just want to tell yep. everybody about it. Yeah, no, I... I think it's both, right? We all can can turn on Instagram and, you know, waste time. That nobody's immune to that. We all do it. And by the way, you need to admit that you do it. I do it, you do it, the world does it. That's why they have so many users. We all do it. it, it it's okay. What isn't okay is identifying that you have that problem. I think what I see in our industry are people continually told to go do and produce content on social media, which I think is great advice. The part that everyone's left out is the time it's going to take to do meaningful, game-changing return on investment content. You can do it with your phone. I'm not saying you got to go buy a camera. Not at all. What I'm saying, though, is, is turning around the camera and going, you know, I'm just out here grinding, hope everyone's having a great day. You know, look at this new stuff I got or look at this, what I'm doing. Who, who's that? How's that benefiting your business? And then the argument that people have made to me, which is a valid argument as well, it's my page. Sure it is. I think in the context we're talking about is social media is a waste of time. We all do it. Nobody's immune to it. 
But then when you add on that somebody is telling themselves that flipping the camera around and talking to it and then putting it on their page is work when it's actually just busy work because there's no return on investment. There's no money they can track has been made off their posts. They have no mechanism where they could, if you ask them, like, let's say my guys in my company said, I'm going to start posting on social. And I go, okay, spend 30 minutes a day doing it. In the next three months, we're going to have a conversation of how many sales got made. Okay. You did this, you did this, you did this, this time was put into it. If they look at me and go, well, how do I know? As an owner, you're going to look at your employee and go, Hey bud, you got to cut that out. You have no idea what's happening. But for some reason, we've been, you know, led to believe that all content is good content to flip the phone around and you'll become a millionaire. We've shared that on the podcast before. And let me tell you, if social media was that, that easy, we'd all be millionaires and nobody go out of business. It's a lot more difficult and there's a, there's a real reason to chase it, but flipping the camera around and wasting all this time, you know, what they call grind porn. I'm working hard. Look how hard I'm working. Uh, these are my goals. This is what, I mean, you're detailing cars for a living. You're trying to get people to hire you to detail cars. Where does that content rank? And everybody listening to this is now thinking of somebody themselves, somebody other detailer that they watch. I was doing the exact same thing yeah. as you were talking. I was literally yeah, 100%. scroll of dicks. <laughs> yeah. You go, Oh man, this guy's content doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, if it doesn't make sense to us, those of us in the know, it's not going to make sense to a customer. And social media can be extremely powerful. I don't want to come across like it isn't. But the vast majority of people that we see don't leverage it for that. They leverage it to, I don't know, make people think they're busy. And again, there's where you get into busy work. Are you doing something that returns money to your business? Or are you doing something for the sake of doing it? That's the definition of busy work. And I think a lot of people do something for the sake of it makes them feel good. Yeah, probably. That's a, and, and by the way, it's a viable reason. I'm not. It's a viable reason if you're in the business of feeling good, right? If you have a business that when you help people feel good, they, what, pay you money, right? But most of us are in the business of cleaning cars. And so then to put out content about, how people should feel good because you're polishing a hood and uh, you've, you've worked so hard and now you're polishing a hood. And this is this, I think to me, the busy work that I reeks to me and I just go, it's like, you know, those nails that go across the chalkboard is the guy that's polishing a hood talking about how he's overcome so much and all this amazing thing that he's doing. And I look at the guy and I go, I bet you have. I really bet you have overcome a lot of stuff. So why don't you create a new profile that is a motivational profile about all the amazing things that can be done, right? And you could go through all that stuff somewhere else. But if your business profile is about all these I mean, it could be motivational, it could be religious, it could be all kinds of things that people just love to put out. And you go, huh, well, is that busy work? Can you track where the return will be? And the whole reason we talk about this 
is because we just said. And when I see people that I know or have worked with or listen, we got people from all around the country that others are sending in messages of, yeah, we just saw three more. Yeah, this guy and sends it over. And I'm like, gosh, shit, I used to, I mean, that guy three or four years ago, I remember him. There was a guy specifically I met at Mobile Tech Vegas. And now he's out of business. So that does take a bit into the, like, you feel it, right? Like, mm, like, what did that mean to his family? What did that mean? Like, mm, it meant a lot. You take a look at your kids. Out of business? Out of that dream that you wanted? All that good stuff that you want to do for your family? Your girlfriend? Whoever? The future life that you want? Look at it. What would keep you from going out of business? Money management and time management. You got to really start thinking about time management of busy work. I've had to. Nick's done an incredibly job of that. Helped us as a company understand busy work. Understand that things that we do that might not produce the best results for the company. Two great characteristics, two great ways to help you achieve and keep from going out, right? Hey, Nick had to jump off. He's been experiencing some internet problems there in Vegas. It kicked him out again. So that close was me to you. So this is Marshall, and I hope you make it a great day.